number two. I am. I am number two. Cool. I am number two. Sounds like a bumper sticker. Yeah. I am number two. <laughs> Christian yes. bumper sticker. Put a fish yes. on that. All I have yes. is a heavy hope that this world here is not my home. We've still got a ways to go, but we've got each other's hands to hold. So don't close your eyes, and I won't close mine. The dawn will come If we're running out of time Then we're running into love Welcome to the bar side thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Alright. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Fireside Podcast, where our mission is to create good kingdom culture, equip the church, and glorify God. I'm Jeremiah. And I'm Houston. And today we're joined with... Matt Stafford. There we go. All right. (laughs) Um, Matt, for... We always say for the small percentage of people that know us and don't know you, uh, which might accumulate to be like my mom or something, (laughs) uh, (laughs) do you want to give us like a short... Who is Matt Stafford? Uh, sure. I'm a uh, teacher here at Ozark Christian College. I've been here for 13 years now. And I've directed Frontline, the college's traveling worship team. I've been the chapel minister. And now I'm the director of the worship arts department. I teach in the area of um, worship technology and uh, and all things musical. And uh, the Psalms, I get to uh, teach in the Old Testament field as well. All right. So watching us put together our equipment was that painful at all for you to watch (laughs) no jeremiah was one of my students well you know yeah yeah i i learned i learned well good (laughs) good yeah well yeah that i mean that's the one of the big reasons why we want to talk to you today it was uh it was about the psalms i mean uh did you had matt for psalms yes okay yeah i unfortunately didn't have you honestly i thought you did not like me for like the first like couple of years yeah. for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but then we had like two weeks together where we traveled and went to different conferences and got to know you really well. And now I tell everyone that you're, you're my dad. So uh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. He told me that on the way. Yeah, uh-huh. I was like, yeah. and he told me that he was going to say that. And I, I thought, did. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. Matt Stafford's my dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, not, not literally, but well, I, I don't think you're old enough to be my dad. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I was in your Psalms class in, 2013 uh, fall of 2013 or spring of 2014 I don't remember which Um, and I'm sure you don't remember me because I was not an excellent student Um, (laughs) but luckily I had an excellent teacher so I still walked away with a lot of good a lot of good information See, I had Pachauer and I mean I love the man to death He's definitely the sage on the stage personality. You know, he gets up there and you you literally have to record his classes video wise because you will not know how he writes notes on the board. <laughs> He'll start over here on the right side and just write something and then go to the completely other side. And it's just you have to decipher. <laughs> Does it he every write time. right to left like Hebrew? Is that, yeah, is that that's part of the problem? <laughs> pretty much. I heard he actually writes in Hebrew for that's, yeah. classes. Yeah, uh-huh. he, he does yeah. write a lot of Hebrew words. You didn't take the prerequisite. That's that's, that's on you. That's my fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, so actually, something that I always think about when I think about your Psalms class was that you read an excerpt from Carl Sagan. You read oh, yeah. an excerpt from yeah. Carl Sagan's book, and in the it was the preface, I think. And he talked about you know how big the world is, and or how big the universe is, excuse me, and just like the the vastness and the the glory of it all, and 
And I remember you saying that he, from that conclusion, he draws the insignificance of man. Mm-hmm. But as a believer, we draw the conclusion of the significance of man because like all of this is here and this is what our God created, but he still cares about us. Yeah. Which is a, I mean, that's a pretty powerful theme in the Psalms, right? Yeah. It's that, uh, he, Carl Sagan is commenting on that picture. It's called the pale blue dot. Mm. It's a famous picture of, uh, the Voyager, uh, space probe took as it left the solar system, looking back at the earth. And mm-hmm. there's just like one pixel sized dot and it's, that's the planet earth. Yeah. And uh, Sagan says, that's how insignificant we are. And the psalmist said, you know, when I consider the heavens, the moon, the stars you, that you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? Well, here's who he is. You set him just, you made him just a little lower than the angels and you put everything under his feet. Mm-hmm. So the psalmist looks at that same image and would come away with the opposite. Mm-hmm. Worldview, so worldview is is really key, and I think Psalm eight is I call it a worldview psalm because it answers all the big questions of life that we need to know. It seems like in the church it's been popular to look at like cosmology. Uh, that's the right word, right? Cosmology, the cosmos, like the study of the cosmos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, not cosmetology, not cosmetology. Right. Yes, <laughs> that's completely different. Um, I, it seems like it's been a, a fairly popular trend to look at cosmology in worship. I think about there's a group called uh, a new liturgy, which I think is made up by the liturgists like Michael Gunger or science Mike. And that's beside the point. Um, so they have a song um, or they do a version of the hymn. All the creatures of the all, all, creatures all creatures of our God and King. All, yeah. Uh, the, um, Saint, that's a St. Francis. Uh, all creatures of our God and King. No, it's, no, it's no. not that one. It's a different uh, one. See, I'm not a music. I didn't take uh, music uh, classes yeah. here. Um, anyways, it doesn't. But they have a reading or like a group prayer, basically, that, that everyone prays at the end. And, it, you know, creator of the, the cosmos and the galaxies and the, the stars and space and that kind of thing. And it always feels really out of place for me in worship settings. And I don't know why exactly that is not, not from a rational point of view, because I rationally understand, yes, our God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's maybe it's that, maybe it's like the language that they use. Mm-hmm. It's like a uh, overspecified anyways, it's the rambling thing. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I think that makes me think about like, like the Psalms have kind of their own mystical language and maybe not mystical, but like uh, they have their own cosmological language. There are four, maybe five psalms that are specifically about creation. I mean, I, I, I call them creation hymns. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that each one of them deals with a different facet of creation. So like Psalm 8, uh, the focus really is on mankind as the pinnacle of creation. Uh, you know, what is man that you're mindful of him? Um, psalm 19 is a focus on the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And uh, Psalm 29, the third one, is on the is focused on the um, the waters. It's the one the voice of the Lord is over the waters, and and it describes this great storm. And Psalm 104 uh, depicts the earth as uh, a garden that that uh, God cares for and nurtures. So you've got you've got uh, mankind, you've got the heavens, you've got the sky, the earth, and then Psalm 148, which comes in the doxology. That's the last five of the Psalms just wraps them all together and just says every, all, all things in creation, praise God. Mm. So cosmology is definitely woven you know, through mm-hmm. the entire book of Psalms. Maybe, maybe yeah. um, what I was saying is that like, it's easy in 
modern understanding of cosmology to actually miss the connection point to practical living or like our lives. And so whenever we're talking about, uh, you know, what's happening, you know, that God created X, Y, and Z stars and, and like these galaxies and these universes, I think it's easy to like disconnect the, the practical implications that this God who created all of this universe created us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like I, when you're talking about all of these creation Psalms, I can't help but to see the psalmist as the person experiencing these things um, and, and like processing through these things like this, like the, the heavens, like in the, the ancient mind referred a lot less to the concept of the universe that we have today and a lot more to kind of like the sky, right. Or, or kind of this upper realm or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. They, they have, t- there's two words. There's the word for the, the skies or the firmament, which is like the sky that's near us where the birds uh, and clouds are. And then there's the heavens and that's, they really thought of that as where God dwelled. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they weren't thinking of the galaxies and right. planets uh, beyond us. They were thinking that's, that's where God Dwell. That's where he is worshipped, and the angels uh, worship him. I mean, maybe yeah. that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. that like it, uh, we're at a point where the way that we even understand the words that they're saying, like remove us from the picture entirely. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's an interesting thing. It, I, like in in worship, I, I think about how many songs are about what me and what I'm doing. You know, here I am to worship. Here I am to so on and so forth, and. I I think about like how how difficult it is to, in my mind, it when in music to really capture the spirit of worship, um, because so often I think it's like popular songs just kind of approach like what I'm doing or how this is you know good for me, and I think about the Psalms or say you know that you've created what is man that you're mindful of him plays from just below the angels and mm-hmm. you know like I all these powerful things that don't have to do with me having a good time or. Uh, you know, what you've done for me. It's very egocentric. That's my hmm. little aside. I'll stop talking for a minute. No, you're, you're fine. Someone else yeah. step in. I feel like modern worship music has definitely evolved. I don't feel like it's as egocentric, I guess, is the word that you used. I don't feel like it's as self-focused as it used to be in some of the lyrics. And I yeah. think a lot of a lot of good worship leaders will actually change the verbiage a little bit too mm-hmm. um, and make it more communal as, as opposed to uh, individualized that way we can create, you know, the unity community, the everything that we want mm-hmm. in our worship gatherings. Uh, cause it's not, and that's, and that's the thing too, is that worship has been so oversaturated that word <laughs> mm-hmm. in the church that it's not just music. And, and I think that's something that we need to stop synonymizing with. And we've, we've talked about this so many times in this, in this podcast, me specifically, I guess, but <laughs> you know, and I think, I think one thing that would really help with worship is if, if we got back to the Psalms, not just a, a verse or two here and there that work well with this melody, but uh, to incorporate larger chunks of the Psalms in, in songs that we write mm-hmm. and in our, our worship liturgies, uh, because that way it's not centered on, you know, what I think and what I feel, what I like, but it's on the actual text that, that guides us. Right. Yeah. And you've, I mean, you've led worship in a lot of different capacities over the years. Um, so mm-hmm. what are some ways that you've actually used the Psalms in your, in your times of, you know, in, in different worship gatherings that you've been a part of? Yeah. A lot of times I will try to build 
the worship service around a particular psalm. You know, the the idea is you want the this, the music to connect with the message. Mm-hmm. Well, what if the message is about personal finances or something like that? It's, <laughs> you know, it's just hard to connect with. And that's a case where I will often just take a psalm and build the, you know, just meditate on that psalm and see how it goes and where it, where it uh, directs me and then find songs that correspond to that. And a lot of the psalms are structured with... Uh, stanzas, you know, three or four sections. So it's a very natural fit right. to incorporate those. It's like what you're saying, uh, that like the Psalms can be a way to draw back to that. I think about the the movement towards hymns recently, you know, like our generation is just lashed onto these hymns and, and is just thirsting for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it like reconciles kind of the two uh, desperate, disparate points that we deal with in worship of kind of this removed, like has nothing to do with me, um, praising God. Like I was saying, like the, you know, what's happening on Orion's belt or whatever. And then, uh, also this, it's all to do with me, you know, like the Psalms is where those two things meet and, and really reconciles both aspects of worship that, that like, you know, our, our God is so powerful, but then also he loves, you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why the, the, the spiritual discipline of praying the Psalms every day is such a helpful thing. Because if you've ever done that, one thing you realize is that uh, the Psalms are kind of all over the place. It's not like when you're reading a narrative where there's a, there's some chronology and there's a story and then there's a climax and all, you know, the typical things in a story. You go from lament to to worship to to a psalm about wisdom, and uh, that's why the daily reading of the psalms I think pulls us back to this is God speaking to us, you know what we need for this day. Uh, so I always encourage you know the daily reading of the psalms or read one in the morning, one in the evening. Uh, the Anglican practice is to read five a day, and in doing so, you'll read the entire book of Psalms every month. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and some of the Psalms you may not connect with on a particular day, but it's the discipline of reading them and just mm-hmm. putting yourself in, in this spiritual reality mm. as you're reading them. Mm. Yeah. And we're actually about to, um, embark on this big Advent project, um, for Christmas time, you know, uh, and we've noticed that the Psalms are very much a part of that season. Maybe just your thoughts on the Psalms during like that time of year and like the meditation practices that go along with the Advent season. And I don't know, I I guess I'm just maybe trying to figure out a way to, to bridge like this episode with kind of like Mm -hmm. what we're going to be pursuing. And so we're fishing um, for ideas for, (laughs) (laughs) well, Advent is all about expecting. It's Mm -hmm. all about anticipating, waiting, hoping, and how Advent begins with uh, darkness and then the light gradually comes. And, my first thought is uh, that's so many psalms. That's mm-hmm. that's a lot of the laments are in that place of waiting. Um, I think uh, I think it's Psalm 13 that asks, "How long? How long, O Lord? How long?" Four times I think in that psalm. Um, so definitely, there's a connection there with the idea of lament and uh, darkness and expectation. Uh, you know, and fully, you know, one third of the psalms are laments. A very common genre. It's not mm-hmm. the most common, but we don't often think about the psalms as songs of lament. We think of songs of worship and, and joy and praising, but there's a lot of lamenting. That's something that we've really lost in the church recently, right? That The whole idea of lament and health, yeah. healthy 
lament, right? Right. Um, and I think, I to me, it feels like this kind of goes back to the whole. It maybe has to do with the, the the access to information. I don't know what, but it's just we use scripture like a like a balm, you know, to to ease some pain, and then you know we go about our lives, and it's and it's a lot less like a balm, like a lip balm. Yeah, B A L M okay. balm. <laughs> okay, not a, not a balm. Okay, no, yeah, balm. <laughs> it's kind of like what we were talking earlier. It's just not this. It's not this flow and direction to our whole lives. It's like patches that we put on things or or uh, band aids. Like you, we scripture like a band aid instead of a you know wound care. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so what? First of all, why do you think? I'm throwing my two cents in. Why do you think that we've we've moved away from that so much, especially when it seems like lamentation is such a key aspect of of the church, um, really God's people throughout history, um, but even like the church around the world. You know, I think of the church in in Middle East and Africa, or you know wherever. Like they can harness lamenting like like we can't um, here, or we don't. Maybe like, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. it's not fair to say it can't. But like, wh- why do you think that is? And do you think that there is a solution to that? Uh, the the phrase that comes to mind is moral therapeutic deism. I mean, yes. you've heard that as a dis, dis depiction of the religion of our culture. Uh, moral, you know, be good people. Uh, therapeutic, that's the, um, you know, let's be happy, let's feel good. Mm-hmm. And uh, deism, uh, there's a God, but he's not particularly close, doesn't particularly involved in my life kind of thing. And that's kind of our national religion. Western culture, yeah, and uh, so I think that that therapeutic part of it, lament just doesn't fit that. You know, yeah. if uh, God wants us to be happy and feel good, and uh, a lot of times we do uh, fall into that in our worship. We want everyone to be happy and clap and and smile and and uh, you know, right? Not acknowledge the reality that there's brokenness and pain and lament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. too that, you know, our culture is so far removed from vulnerability, you know, being vulnerable in anything, really. <laughs> I mean, we can hide behind so much um, through our, you know, our lives on social media. I, I recently started my master's work out at Tabor College and we in our first class, we read a book called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown and her whole life uh, work has been over vulnerability. And uh, that's just something I've been really challenged with a lot lately is like, how how should we be vulnerable you know, if we're, if we're taking the stand up in, in front of people, the pulpit, you know, whatever you want to call it, like what are ways that we can be vulnerable to really engage with even this like, you know, lamenting process that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what are, what are uh, some of your thoughts on that? I guess like it, how have you um, used vulnerability or even expressed the Psalms as a vulnerable measure to connect something within a worship service or I think of the uh, the penitential psalms. There are seven psalms that are prayers of, of repentance. And, you know, Psalm 51 is probably the most familiar. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. David's prayer after he was confronted by Nathan. So when I think vulnerability, that was David at that point. He's king. He's got this reputation, and he's has to acknowledge his moral failings at that point. And he does so, and he, you know, the promise of that psalm is that then he would teach transgressors God's ways, that his his life then could be a model to others. And, and he still is today. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, 3,000 years later, his moral failings have brought strength and hope and restoration to people today. He's a model of 
vulnerability. Right. No clock can tell me how it's done. But now the darkness has its fun. But soon we'll see the morning sun. So don't close your eyes. I won't close mine. The dawn will come. If we're running out of time. Then we're running into love. That's good. I mean, being able to actually teach your congregation that um, in your worship gatherings, you know, like, like you said, you, you know, using a psalm to, you know, branch everything that's happening in that, that service and being like, you know, this is, this is true vulnerability right here. This is David opening up and, and expressing how he feels about, you know, the situation. And it, it, it might not be the most pleasant thing at times, but this is, this is what vulnerability is. And, and I think that's maybe why we attach the Psalms, you know, so easily is because it is vulnerable. Why wouldn't I want to read this? <laughs> you know, it, it just pulls us in because of how vulnerable it is. But See, I, I think that's interesting because I actually have the opposite issue with the Psalms that they're so vulnerable. They're so honest. It doesn't, you know, like growing up, it, scripture was all about, you know, how good God is or how, uh, like what you're saying, like the, the therapeutic aspect of, of our, you know, quote unquote Christianity or I mean, whatever. It was never comforting to me to read somebody be so angry, you know, and, and I, that's emotional baggage I carry. Like I understand, but it, it, it's just interesting to me that you you have that experience where the vulnerability is attractive. Mm -hmm. And for me, that vulnerability is like challenging. Mm -hmm. It's, it, ha it forces me to think about scripture in a different way, forces me to think about God in a different way. Um, and, and again, I, I understand that's just because like I've, I've been steeped in this kind of feel good Christianity for so long. And, you know, I say things like, you know, how do we bring this vulnerability or, or lamenting practices these practices back into the church. And at the same time, I'm, I'm resistant to it myself. Like I, I know what I want to feel on a Sunday. So my church mm -hmm. that I've been at, I, I was the one that chose the song selection. Um, we were so small, we didn't have any kind of a worship leader, but we just like played music. And so I would always try to, to work through kind of the flow of music and the flow of thought um, to connect to the, the message. And I think the closest I could ever get to really comfortably including a uh, maybe not even a lamenting song was Lord I need you which is kind of a desperate like cry out right mm -hmm. but still not there yeah right? it's, it's a lament but it's it's not I think you're maybe thinking of imprecatory psalms the cursing psalms the, the so, so the imprecatory psalms are very challenging to me yeah. <laughs> I mean like rationally I can say yeah it's it's much healthier to process through your emotions instead of act you know, upon them, mm -hmm. <laughs> but even still it's there, you know? I, yeah. Um, and when's the last time you heard an imprecatory Psalm read or prayed in church? Right. I, <laughs> I cannot I think of one that I that. ever have. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's something we ought, ought to address. And that's something to be said for the systematic reading and the praying of the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And what if every Sunday we read a Psalm just systematically, you know, I, I just, I wonder how that would impact our, our theology mm -hmm. and how it would shape us if we didn't ignore the hard ones. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, Eastern Orthodox church, right. Has Mathens. Is that what it's called? Um, Vespers. 
I don't yeah, know. Vespers in the evening. Um, yeah. Right. Matthews yeah. in the morning, Vespers yeah. in the evening. Okay. And they, they read through the, the whole uh, Psalter every month, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I've got an audiobook of an arrangement by the Eastern Orthodox monks, like an anonymous group. Uh, and it's and it's a reading and it's really powerful. But um, they they preface it because they know who their audience is, you know, people who don't experience this. And they say, try to think about the difficult Psalms in, in light of our Christian walk. Um, and just the idea that it doesn't negate what these Psalms said, but we understand it a little bit differently, uh, in light of Jesus. And, um, they, they encourage you to think about the imprecatory Psalms is, uh, you know, think about who your true enemy is and it's not really your, your neighbor, or it's not really this guy, you know, it's, it's, you know, the sin in your life and, and, you know, the sin in his life and the forces of evil, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, and, and so and that's just like second nature for them to think about that just because they're they're faced with it. Yeah. So so often I just I just keep thinking about my church and, and my congregation. How would I introduce them to these imprecatory songs? Yeah. How would I introduce them? I mean, do you have any like? Yeah, I mean, one of the ways I I talk about them is uh, I put I try to put them into a modern context, and there are stories uh, every day in the world of of incredible atrocities that that take place, and mm-hmm. I like to ask you know ask put yourself in the shoes of these Christians or these um, innocent children who are uh, abducted and sold as sex slaves. And put yourself in the shoes of their parents, their brothers, their sisters, and then pray this psalm. Mm-hmm. And you'll see anger. You'll mm-hmm. see that you, yes, this anger, uh, this gives a voice for that kind of anger. It's the, the, the reality is we, we're just rarely in situations where we really have justification for anger. Mm-hmm. Anger, you know, like, oh, McDonald's got my order wrong. You know, that's that's about the worst. <laughs> But uh, getting triggered right now, (laughs) there's real injustice in the world. And the Mm -hmm. better we become acquainted with that, the easier it is to pray the imprecatory Psalms and to identify with that voice. Mm. So I would do that on a Sunday morning. I would say, here's here's a story of our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted in, you know, X country. And then you read, you know, pray a psalm that that teaches that. And uh, the thing about the imprecatory psalms that uh, they often don't get credit for is I think they teach us how to be nonviolent. They, it's, it, that's the irony of the imprecatory psalms because they're so violent. Mm-hmm. The psalmist is praying incredible violence upon his enemies, but he's not acting on that violence. He's praying it. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to have peace and in the cycles of revenge, whether that's uh, in the Middle East or in our own country, uh, we, we have to be nonviolent, and that means praying violent prayers. Mm-hmm. So we, we release that violence uh, to God in prayer. We put it into his hands to deal with the injustice, and then we go on and love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, we don't pray those psalms, so that is not... Yeah. You know, it's not taught that not way. Taught that yeah. way then. Yeah. And... and you know, as a result, whenever we are faced with injustice, we feel the need to equate justice with vengeance, right? And especially in our own lives, uh, you know, you talk about McDonald's, but even real semblances of injustice that we experience. So much of our culture, we equate justice with vengeance, you know, and and I always think about like, like in movies, you know, when you see a bad guy do something so awful and then he gets like, killed at the end or something mm-hmm. like that and you just feel just you're just like ah good you know yeah. like justice is served and it's like <laughs> you know like 
the only way that we know how to face that injustice is is uh, seeking vengeance, right? I mean, do you think, you know, you're saying that like praying a, a violent psalm helps us from being violent. It, it almost feels like we've ignored even praying the violence because we don't believe in violence. We quote unquote don't believe in violence. But as a result, it's like buried so deep that we respond violently to things. Does that make sense? I, th- I think so. I think that's that's one of the values is, is expressing that and getting that, out, getting that out there, but always making sure that you leave it up to God. The psalmist never prays, God, help me to exact justice on my enemies. It's, you'd think he would. I mean, David's king. He is the exactor of justice. But yeah. um, I, to my knowledge, I, I can't think of a single psalm where he does that. He always entrusts it to God, mm. even though you know he has the power to do it himself. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I can't imagine you getting angry, like praying in a precatory psalm, like mm-hmm. building up that, that anger and releasing Like, so part of me wonders, like, are you so in tune with the, the psalms that it has truly like given you the, the healthy avenue for, for that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I wish that were true, but I, I don't <laughs> think it is. I think it's a part of it's my personality. I'm just a, uh, by nature, a calm, gentle person for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then that, so. that leads me to an interesting point. Um, I have a hard time, not with anger. I, I've got anger. That one's, that one's easy to me. Uh, I have a hard time with sadness, like bringing up and expressing sadness. Hmm. Um, like an inside out theology going on right here. Hmm. The, the Pixar movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so I struggle with anger, and so the way that I've I've dealt with struggling with that anger for so long has been to to uh, like avoid anger altogether, you know, or manage it, that kind of thing. Anyways, I don't like feeling sad. Obviously, who likes feeling sad? Well, I, I believe some people like feeling sad, but that's a sad point. Yeah, um, that's true. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like how how do I learn how to? express an emotion that I not only don't want to express, I don't want to feel, and I don't want to, I don't want even to acknowledge, you know, like I've, 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 we should probably cut this out. Um, I have a hard time. (laughs) It's a counseling uh, session now. (laughs) I like not being compassionate, but feeling compassionate. Does that make sense? So like Mm -hmm. to me, I can see injustice. I can see, you know, I've, I've run a homeless shelter for, you know, over two years and you know, I can, I can see injustice, but I have a hard time feeling compassion towards people. Mm -hmm. I don't have a hard time acting compassionately um, or even to some sense being compassionate, you know, but, but like how I, I'm not good at like bringing up that emotion and, and feeling it with somebody, you know, so much of what they say, like that type of ministry is about is just like sitting down with someone and crying with them. And I just, that's hard for me. My wife is like incredible at that. She can Mm -hmm. just like cry with people and, and they feel better and she feels better. And I just don't understand Mm -hmm. that at all, but you're really good at sympathy, but not empathy. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like the Psalms challenges us to feel the whole gamut of emotions. What would you say to somebody, me, uh, who has like <laughs> such a block on, on one emotion? Do I, do I just kind of trudge? You know, what do you, does that make sense when I'm asking? Yeah. Okay. I, wow. I, I I'm trying to think of a Psalm that really addresses, you know, sadness. I think anger is more common than sadness probably mm. in the Psalms. Just, uh, there's a lot of betrayal, a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, conspiracy stuff that David deals with. Um, sadness. Hmm. 
And ultimately, like the you know, you're talking about talked about anger earlier. Um, I think that's always been the reason I've had a hard time with the imprecatory Psalms is because it Mm -hmm. speaks my language so clearly Mm -hmm. and I don't want it to speak my language so clearly. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's what it is. But, Mm -hmm. you know, say somebody else, you know, you talked about you think about true injustice in the world or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, every every emotion is addressed at some point. There's some people who, for whatever reason, have an aversion to feeling happy or or joy or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Psalm the Psalms uh, address that, too? Ah, just the phrase, uh, you know, let the bones you have crushed rejoice comes to mind as the expression of, of sadness. And, uh, you know, in that context, it's, it's, it's in a penitential psalm. David has sinned and he's, uh, has experienced the consequences of that. And, uh, he attributes that to say, God, you've, you've crushed my bones. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm shattered by this, but let them rejoice. Let them, let there be restoration. So I'm not sure if that really even answers your question. It's just a psalm about the, the phrase about sadness. That yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking for any kind of a no. counseling session. That's, I hope you didn't, <laughs> I'm not trying to bring you into that. Now, I think it all goes back to the point of vulnerability that we were talking about. I think that's that might be the issue that you're having is really processing the vulnerable moments of the Psalms, mm-hmm. you know, of what David is, is portraying and kind of just reminds me more about, you know, Brene Brown that I was talking about earlier in her book. She's talking the scarcity is the real issue that we have something in our lives that, that isn't there and we want it there. And so therefore, like we, we get super upset and we get sad and, you know, all these emotions come out because we don't have what we think we want, but there's, there's just no contentment, you know, there. And so I think, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what we're in a roundabout way touching on is the scarcity issue, um, that we have and, you know, how the Psalms can help us fulfill this in, in a sense. I mean, we, you, you see what I'm saying yeah. though, that, that, that yeah. we have this, we have this issue in our culture where there is the scarcity and we we're always trying to find ways to fill that with something, you know, or fill, perceived mm-hmm. scarcity. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes me think of Psalm 73. And this is where the Psalmist says, uh, uh, he envies the wicked. He looks around and he sees all these people that are happy and healthy. They, they look great. They and they have no regard for God. They do whatever they want, and they're happier than he is. Mm-hmm. And he's he's frustrated by that. And he's about ready to quit and go join him. And uh, then he has the sanctuary experience. Then I says, then I then I entered the sanctuary and I saw their final destiny. He has this worship experience that opened his eyes to reality. And he says, no, man, surely you've placed them on slippery ground. You know, I'm, I'm on a rock. I've got your presence and all these things that I th- look at and think, ah, that, that's good. I'd love to have that stuff. Uh, it's all, it's all very temporary. Hmm. And he recognizes he's got the, he's got the real thing. Well, even in the life of David with Bathsheba, you know, like there's this, this longing that he's, you know, after, and he goes after it, you know, there's the scarcity in his life that, mm-hmm. that he wants fulfilled in some way. I've been, I've been thinking on that a lot, uh, after reading, you know, her book and just the scarcity culture that we're in. I mean, it, it makes perfectly good sense to me. Um, everything that she speaks on that, maybe you just mm-hmm. need to go read the book yourself to, <laughs> to see, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if the Psalms would help you express your sadness, but there, as I think about it now, there are many Psalms that are coming to my mind where he is expressing, the Psalmist is expressing grief and sadness. And so, yes, perhaps praying those prayers would help you to, express that more it'll give you a language for that i don't know but probably it has part of, partly to do with just the way you're wired and your personality so initially when we uh were coming in here i mean my my whole idea for this was let's talk about praying the psalms you know praying the psalms in christ even even mm-hmm. you know what that whole phrase means mm-hmm. so maybe we can jump on that a little bit and uh 
yeah, just kind of unpack yeah. what that even means and, and how, how to even do that. Cause that's kind of a foreign idea to some people. Like, how do you pray the Psalms, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and like beyond just, because it feels like the answer to how do you pray the Psalms is just do it. Right. But like it, it uh, at the same time, like if I were to approach it, you know, what, what should I come into it with the mindset of? And, mm-hmm. and does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah. that's your saying, right? Yeah. Not, not just, you know, just do it right. But like <laughs> yeah. what kind of a mindset should we have? And yeah. I, so w- w- the phrase praying the Psalms in Christ means two different things to me. The first thing it means is that we pray them with an awareness of how Jesus prayed the Psalms. Because Jesus was a Jew, Jesus uh, grew up in the synagogue, uh, godly parents, no doubt he prayed the Psalms, every one of them multiple times. Mm -hmm. And so I like to reflect on how might Jesus have applied this Psalm, prayed this Psalm. We know that like Psalm 22, he prayed from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, We know Psalm 118, he prayed at the Last Supper, uh, the stone the builders have rejected has become a cornerstone. And so as you, as you pray the Psalms, you just sort of with a kind of a sanctified imagination, you think about when would Jesus have prayed this Psalm? What circumstance was Jesus in, in his life and ministry where this Psalm would have been appropriate? And as I've done that, and again, I know this is, I'm using my imagination, some creativity there, but, uh, uh, it has really enriched my understanding of the Psalms and to also just to identify with the fact that uh, as I pray these Psalms, I'm praying the very words that Jesus prayed at some point in his life. Mm. I'm, I'm speaking the words of Jesus to the Father, and Jesus spoke the words of the Psalms to his Father. So that's one level of praying the Psalms in Christ, and it opens up a whole new um, way of meditating on the Psalms if you think about how Jesus prayed the Psalms. Uh, the second thing praying the Psalms in Christ means to me is that I'm praying the Psalms as a Christian. I'm praying them with a Christian view to them and seeing Christ in the Psalms. And when I, when I pray to, oh God, my rock, I'm not just thinking about Yahweh. I'm thinking about Jesus Christ, the rock, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and everything that that means. So I take every psalm and I read it through a, a Christian filter, a Jesus lens, if you will. And uh, that has been this, you know, a tr- incredibly eye-opening uh, tool to meditate. And so that's what I'm thinking of when I'm praying the psalms hmm. in Christ. Well, maybe we could even uh, maybe pray a psalm to end it up or something. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh, uh, okay. Does it psalm Psalm one? Right describes what the ideal reader of scripture is like. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember thinking. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, yes. The psalm begins by telling us how to read a psalm, how to pray a psalm. Okay, you know, okay. Or how to? That's probably overstating it, but uh, you know, Psalm one is about what do you do with this book of psalms? Hmm. Would you be willing to read it? Sure. Is that okay? The first psalm. Yeah. Can you? You can just <laughs> recite it, can't you? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Do you have a Do you have a different experience reciting the Psalms than you do reading them? Yes, I love to recite the Psalms because I also feel like that's probably that's how they were originally experienced. Most people couldn't read uh, until really modern in the modern era, so everyone experienced the Psalms by listening to them mm-hmm. uh, being read or being recited. Mm. So even when I pray the Psalms, I pray them out loud. If I'm you know I'm reading them, but I read them out loud. I find that tremendously helpful. It, it also helps me put a lot of emotion into it, and more than 
you know, if I'm reading it silently, they're just kind of mental emotion. But mm-hmm. when you're reading it out loud, I love to just get into it. If it's a psalm of anger, if it's a psalm of sadness, I try to express that mm. uh, verbally as well. So do you, uh, you said earlier that the Anglican tradition is you go through five psalms a day. Uh, so you go through every psalm every uh, or once a month. Is that what you do or what, what do you do personally? Uh, one in the morning and one in the evening. And you do it yeah. out loud by yeah. yourself? Yep. Well, here until I get to Psalm one nineteen, then I then right. I, I break it up a little. I, bit. I break that one up a little bit. It takes about <laughs> twenty minutes to to read that one through. I mean, we could just let him. I think I it. could come pretty close yeah. to this. Oh, yeah. please yeah. do! Yeah. I yeah, I didn't want to put you on the spot. Please do. <laughs> so yeah, this would be just an example of how yeah. to pray the Psalms in Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. No, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners. Or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree that's planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf doesn't wither, and whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. He is like chaff that the wind blows away. Uh, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Yes. Praise be to God. Yes. So that's that's the uh, the uh, introduction to the Psalms is to meditate on them day and night, and not just to not just to gain head knowledge, but to put it into practice. It's, that Psalm is all about the way of God, living it out. Someday all our sleeping friends will see the light of day again. The blind men say it's all pretend But we know how this story ends So don't close your eyes And I won't close mine When the dawn will come If we're running out of time Then we're running into love. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening. Um, This has just been incredible. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. We should do this again. Yeah, definitely. All right. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. Stay tuned for more information on Advent. Uh, Jeremiah and I are working on that, and we hope to uh, really deliver something that we we think is going to be incredible. Um, it's going to be a stretching experience for us. You know, we talked about how praying the Psalms today is a stretching experience and um, just this whole arranging of a of an Advent liturgy has been um, has been stretching for us already. And we're really excited for it. Right. So right now we're in the in the process of finding four themes that we can uh, use throughout each week of Advent. Um, and we're going to develop a video. Uh, for each of those weeks that we're going to release at the beginning of the week. And then we're going to have audio devotionals for each day of the week after that, um, that kind of tie into the theme of the week with the video and everything. So, yep, we're just in the beginning stages of that. Uh, but we think it'll be something new and unique um, for people to to grasp. Well, I mean, that, that's one of our big things is we want to we want to help equip the church. Uh, we want to make things that are going to be useful for for people to to have a better grasp of Scripture, uh, mm-hmm. better knowledge of God. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to it. It'll be it'll be fun. Yeah. And of course, uh, check out the fireside community dot com. Uh, we post articles there every Wednesday. 
Uh, we try to have podcasts up on Friday. We've had a short hiatus recently, and we're having another one coming soon. So we are wrapping up uh, the first season of the Fireside Podcast in the next couple of episodes. We'll have the wrap-up episode after this, but then no new ones uh, until the start of next year. We're going to take a right, yeah. Christmas break. Again, work on Advent, um, work on some other projects we've got coming. Fireside t-shirts are coming very soon. If you like if you like t-shirts, uh, if you're one of those people that wears clothing, you should look into it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Fireside underscore cast and on Facebook at Fireside underscore cast. Thanks again, Matt, for joining us. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you guys. It was great. Fireside.